In the name of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Merry Christmas, saints. It is a joy to gather with you on this holy night as we celebrate once more the birth of Jesus Christ. And I'm bringing back my favorite sermon prop tonight, the mirror, because I think it is one we can use to remember that Christmas is not just another day, but that it gives us a whole new way to see the world and to see ourselves. For the birth of Jesus was an event and time that changed the world for all time. The mystery and miracle of Christmas is that God became flesh with us, for us, in us, so that all flesh might be redeemed. Churchy people like me have a word for this, and we call this the mystery of the incarnation. Isn't that a, isn't that a great word, incarnation? Why don't we all try that together? Can you say it with me? Incarnation. Think incarnation like carnivore or carnal or any Tex-Mex fans in the house. Can you think of carne asada or carnitas, tacos? God incarnate, God in flesh, the carnal God, the, the God who took on meat. It's pretty weird, kind of gross. Well, a snarky seminary classmate of mine once suggested that the idea that the almighty, omnipotent creator of the universe could and would raise his son from the dead on Easter was A, a rather common cliche within ancient mythologies, and therefore B, just not that impressive. But the idea that God would become incarnate, truly human, made of flesh and earth, well, talk about a weird religion indeed. This holy child born of a human mother, while completely without sin, was not without limitations. Born into the most humble and vulnerable of circumstances, the God of the universe came into the world impoverished and without a home, as his parents sought refuge as religious minorities in a time of political unrest in the Greco-Roman Empire. He was utterly dependent and far from a silent night. As a baby, this Jesus would have cried, spit, laughed, and dare I say it from the pulpit, even pooped. Just like some of those Tex-Mex dishes, you could say that he was a gift that kept on giving. It is pretty crude, if not altogether scandalous. And as Jesus grew, he would turn tables in anger at the temple, weep at the grave of his friend Lazarus, experience betrayal by one of his own, and finally die a bitter death in a state execution. Then three days later, rise to life again, though not without the scars from the nails 
that pierced his hands and side. The child now wrapped in bands of cloth will later be wrapped in burial linens. The mother who held her in her arms in the manger would one day hold him at the cross. This may not sound like such good news, but my friends, do you know what this means? It means that there is nothing we can face that God cannot empathize with. Perhaps as vulnerable as any baby are the parents. In this case, the divine father, the earthly mother, Mary, the adoptive sort of stepdad, Joseph, each from their own vantage points, embracing the risk of bringing new life into the world with all the uncertainties of what is to come and knowing all too well that one day that child would experience suffering and heartbreak that no one could bear for him. For even the Holy One could not evade the trials and hardships of this harsh and often unforgiving world in which so many variables are out of our control. And yet during the holidays, it seems we go to such great lengths to convince ourselves otherwise, to convince ourselves that we really are in control through our efforts to manufacture that perfect Hallmark Christmas. We prepare the manger, write the cards, search for the right gifts, go at length to bake, decorate, wrap, and mail. The choir, rehearsals, that young priest strives and agonizes over crafting the perfect sermon. We do our best to maintain peace with family so that for just a few minutes, hours, moments, everything can feel right with the world. But sooner or later, after the carols are sung and the gifts unwrapped, we must go back into the world where we are again disillusioned to any fantasies about peace on earth and goodwill towards men by war, tyranny, displacement, hunger, natural disasters, and the list goes on. In our own lives, many of us face illnesses, family strife, professional burdens, or emotional struggles with no quick or easy fix. In the Christmas story, neither does God offer easy fixes. Instead, God offers a child a relationship, and a new and hopeful way of being in the world. This child doesn't wait on the perfectly curated Christmas to be born, but enters into the messiness and chaos of a world utterly out of our control. Because ultimately, Christmas isn't something we must make for ourselves. Instead, it is a gift to be received when we have the courage and humility to open our hearts and eyes. So this night, may we have the grace to let go for just a moment and simply be. May we let go, breathe deeply, enjoy the glorious music and greenery in this space, and join our hearts and voices to the angels and shepherds above and below who hasten to the major even while others sleep. For in the words of the old prophet Isaiah, 
the promise of Christmas is this. The glory of God will be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. The glory of God will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. Saint Irenaeus once characterized this glory of God as a human being fully alive. In the Christ child, we see the divine one fully alive to the richness of human experience, calling us all to embrace life to the fullest, remembering that there is no height or depth or breadth we can traverse where God does not journey with us. And there is no fellow human we can encounter who is beyond God's embrace. For this incarnate, carnal God was made flesh so that all flesh might know life and freedom. And if all truly means all, then this promise also points to our call to be bearers of reconciliation in this broken and fragmented world. Can you envision the dream that God dreams where all flesh shall see the glory of God, white, black, brown, and olive flesh, young and old and young at heart flesh, broken and abused flesh, wrinkled, scarred, blemished flesh, immobile, athletic, unstable flesh, LGBTQ and straight flesh, skeptical, believing, seeking, conservative, liberal, apathetic flesh, rich and poor, working, unemployed, underemployed, and retired flesh, tired and tattooed flesh, Tall, short, lean, and stout flesh, housed and unhoused, fearful, simple, materialistic, joyful, and regretful flesh, grieving flesh, and dancing flesh, guilty, hopeful, optimistic flesh, and sad, naive, jaded, despairing, beautiful, complicated flesh. Whoever you are, wherever you are, the glory of God this Christmas has been revealed, and all flesh will see it together. This is God's promise. This is our call. Dear saints of all sorts, I see it in you. I see it in your compassionate hearts, your warm hospitality, genuine empathy, and spirit-filled joy. I see the glory of God incarnate through this community day after day as addictions are broken, as children are clothed, neighbors fed, outcasts welcome, griefs shared, laughter born. And in the disarming light of that baby boy, I can see the glory of God shining brightly in you tonight. So I invite you to look once more, take an honest look in that mirror, and what do you see? I ask, because the person you see, when you take off all the masks and have the courage to really look, that is the person that God loves. That is the flesh 
that the divine inhabits. Even in all your blemishes, wrinkles, scars, especially in your blemishes, your wrinkles, your scars. God yearns to be made flesh in us that the world may know God's redeeming love. May we know this love deep in our hearts this night and be strengthened through God's presence to bear that love to the world. For truly, my friends, Christ himself is our mirror and our light. May we hasten to the manger to gaze upon the child, that we may find our home in him, and that he may be born again in us. Amen.